another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters, who've been doing this for <laughs> way too long, talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorin, and I'm joined by... Tony. There's always gonna be another mountain. I'm always gonna wanna make it move. Always gonna be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's the climb. <laughs> Miley Cyrus, you look yeah. different with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, that might have been in her Hannah Montana days. I'm unsure. Uh, I apologize <laughs> to any of our Miley Cyrus listeners, but I am not too familiar with her stuff uh except the one record i i dubbed that one record with wrecking ball and stuff on it that was awesome. yeah yeah well i'm glad Indeed you did yes. wrecking ball for us because you know that, could that be, yeah and because her godmother in the case anyone doesn't know is dolly parton she used to do this like you can find it on youtube it's like this backyard jam session thing fiddles and whatever and she does a, a version of hey uh jolene which is really really killer and that, of course, is DM Dave, our <laughs> rock and roll DM, or perhaps this week our our pop diva DM. Yes, it's DM all, Dave. yeah, all all musical genres. I'm gonna probably get into world music next. You're gonna do the stuff. You're just gonna do the. You're gonna vocally do the 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 uh, the disco the, the 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 electronica kind of stuff. Oh sure, yeah. Everybody's having dollar shots all of a sudden. Dubstepping bard, yeah. I gotta admit, actually, the climb's one of my favorite. It is one of my man, Miley Cyrus has a lot of songs at the radio. That's one of my favorite ones. I always like yeah, that. It's not bad, right? I mean, it gets you moving. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta take on the challenge, right? Ooh, oh boy. Or, oh, segue. Or, or do you? Oh. Or do you? Because yeah, segue. Because how that song relates to what we're talking about today is how hard is too hard for your players. So we've had several instances, and we're all kind of going through this in different places where. You know, your players are starting to roll some 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 villains. They're starting to really pick up some steam. You come out with what you think is a cool, complicated, challenging villain coming on the fight, and it kind of goes too hard. And maybe your players get almost TPK'd or TPK'd, or maybe it's not that. Maybe your players just react where they just think it's bullshit, and they're not enjoying the fight because it's too hard. But today's question is, how hard is too hard? At what point is the mountain you put in front of your players so high that they just go, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need to see that peak. Yeah. Fuck the climb. How about that? <laughs> I feel like we've had some instances like that. Sure. Sure. It is definitely a, um, there is a balance to be had. I think that there's two ways to look at it. The traditional way where you're in a fight with a boss, kind of like when Frieza was in his fourth form and Goku's pals were trying to fight him and Goku wasn't there. And no matter how many natural 20s were rolled, he's not going down. They couldn't lay a finger on him. It's pathetic. You're horribly outclassed. That kind of scenario. You show up and there's two things getting hit and the other one was you hitting the floor. Or another version of this is you're in a battle and it is too hard. It is taking forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're saying there's kind of two sides to this coin. On the one hand, they're the it's just too hard. On the other hand, there's the it's fine, but it's taking too damn long. Like it's taking up too much of the night. 
The rent is too damn high. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> the time rent the is too damn is too damn long. <laughs> you know, and if you're in a really epic finale and you want to do that whole Marvel-esque battle, I think that makes sense. But if you're in a battle and you're looking at the clock and you're like, has this been going on for an hour and a half? Then you look at the clock again. You're like, are we at two hours? two and a half like what's going on more monsters keep spawning and they're regenerating and you knock something down and it gets back up and you're like okay i have full hit points i'm three hours into this battle where is the boss <laughs> oh tone that's a good point though uh in the sense of you have that difference between is it the investment of time it's almost like lore tolerance right it's like your time tolerance for a battle. So certain epic conclusions, right? Let's go, let's say the, the most recent one would have been with Strahd. And I actually, I broke it over the two sessions. You know, we did the whole dinner and then I had him escape. And then we had the big epic conclusion, you know, cause I wasn't doing the whole run and gun kind of thing with Strahd, the hit and run stuff. So there's that and that's fine, I think. But then like what I'm thinking about with the Christmas game I ran for the Strahd group, where it kind of started to open up the new part of the campaign, hopefully that we'll begin talking about in later episodes as it starts to happen. Um, I started to realize that like the fight was, I had a certain amount of time because I needed to complete that story that night. It was a one shot. You can't be like, okay, we'll see you again in January and we'll finish the Christmas game. like. That's going to be real anticlimactic, right? You need to save Santa and, all, and the North Pole. So there was that point there where I was like, okay, I could drag this out. I could bring in additional things. I could, but why, you know? And then it's not a matter of it's too hard because it's too much of a challenge. It's too hard because I don't have that amount of time, right? Is, is that kind of what you're getting at with that? Yeah, it's tough because some of these battles, you want to say that this was not an easy fight. But unfortunately, and there's nothing wrong with having an easy fight. There is no set formula, despite what some schools of thought say. Like, there should be X amount of monsters for X amount of players, and that's it. But as we all know, sometimes players summon, they've got familiars, you have large groups, and the battles really do take a lot of time. And if they're not really pivotal ones, then, yeah, the investment is questionable, depending upon what's going on. And that's been a bit of a challenge. Uh, you know, I talked last episode about how I'd like the Woodstock Wanderers. I'd like to try to get us moving faster in that game. And oh. that's been one of the challenges is, okay, it's one thing when, you know, I throw you guys against the Demi-Lich. And the Demi-Lich takes, takes, takes a long time. Okay, that's one thing. It's another thing when I kind of throw the party against some shambling mounds and they take a long time. You know, it's like sometimes it's just that the combat. Lead up. It's the lead up to it, right? Yeah, and it's, it is the, like, it's like the shambling... So that going through the lair, you guys, you guys fought the dragon outside of the lair. We've talked about the bad day for the black dragon. Then you fought uh, some quartz flowers in the lair, which I did intend to be a bit harder. That did. That took a long time. That was also a, that was, I will say, that was a, a great example of a really challenging fight that I think we were really invested in. And the time didn't really matter because there was a yeah. lot that was occurring in the fight. Yeah. And then you get into, so the rest of that, so then we had like, then we had like, basically there was like three kind of interim fights. One was a really easy fight against some remaining kind of worshippers of the dragon. One was a shambling mound fight, which just had shambling mounds around. And you guys easily beat up a single shambling mound. Like it shouldn't have been a challenging fight, but they were moving around and the party didn't have full vision. And the party took a while dealing with it, you know, yeah. like kind of sneaking around and moving, which 
I wanted them doing, but it did take time. And then we hit the next room was kind of almost like a trap kind of thing where there was some, some vampire vines and you had to figure out how to get across them basically. And that took some time. That took like a significant amount of time for the party to decide how they want to do that. That stuff kind of feels like, it's like, okay, I want you to have some challenges here, but this is eating up a lot of time. And then you finally get to the, to the lich fight and the lich fight. That probably would have been one night, except I think we had to go short on the fight, if I remember correctly. Like, I think uh-huh. time-wise, nice. yeah, time-wise, we wound up kind of a little bit caught there. And that is, it's a tricky balance because almost any time you open a fight, unless it's theater of the mind in a very easy fight, 5e fights take a while. Well, that was a great example uh, with that fight because I personally, I, I understand from behind the screen where you're going to feel because we kind of we stopped the fight midway we went to the top of initiative and said okay next time we're going to pick this up uh because we had been doing a little bit of the the dungeon delving as it were i i personally didn't mind that because what we were looking at when we got back tony you said this a couple episodes back when we came back into that fight and we had already been a couple rounds through with the demi lich and the flame skulls and all of that more than a couple, yeah. We still went for a good two and a half hours on the remainder of that fight. And that was without the the golem, the iron golem that we uh, I had banished. Him not even being in the picture, you know? And the so. truth is, I'm not really sure why that fight took so long. Like there was some, it's, there was some regenerating with the with the lich, but only. No, the it's lich. not that. It's the we talked about it before. You, we had 15 initiative counters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. That's what I was looking at with the the holiday game that we just ran too. There was so many initiative counters that it just there's a certain amount of time that it takes. I think that's absolutely correct. And even if your guys are on point. And your people know their stuff and they're yeah. moving and, and, and you're doing their thing and having their cool moments. There's so many working parts. All these things have special abilities. And like with Hawk, you know, if I win initiative, then I look down the list and I'm like looking all the way down. And I'm like, holy crap, when am I going to come <laughs> up again? Yeah. It, it, it just becomes very difficult. And I guess that really leans on the feel of the game you're going for. Now, if you're going for like a combat and tactics game. Mm. then your party may really eat that up. But this also runs into problems when you're playing limited with limited time per on the sessions. If you're like four, five weeks out between sessions, you're going to be like, well, what would you do last game? Well, we had two and a half battles. Well, I mean, part of, part of it is these sessions, that particular group has had, has had times when we've been doing like less than four hour sessions even. So it's kind of it's had a real time pinch. We're trying to deal with that now as far as getting an earlier start time to go so we can get a full four, four, four or four and a half hours in. But in some cases, that session, that that, that particular group's been particularly pinched on the time available. Um, I think more than the other groups. I feel like the other groups go a bit longer than that one, but it's got the most players in. It. It's got the most people we got to match. Yeah, the most people whose schedules you have to work Schedule around. Wise, yeah, it's our, it's definitely our biggest group. Yeah. Hands down. <laughs> with. Uh... Having large groups, I mean, this is just my take on this. I would, don't shoot me, cover me in gasoline for suggesting, suggesting this idea, because it's very <laughs> against my how I've rolled as a D&D player and a DM for 98% of my career. We're recording. This is on record. This is on record. I would really constrain how much combat is going to take place. And this, I'm sorry, Thorne. I know this is no, really, yeah, like, it's like a doppelganger of me. But this also ties into a different philosophy aspect, which I've taken into consideration with the Marvel game. 
And that is, like, for example, if we were in an RPG and Thorn, I gave you Thor's hammer. I'm like, here you go, bro. Knock yourself out. Just destroy things with it. And then I made combat only a portion of, like, a very distinct portion. Like, you really have to discuss and get clues. And it was much of a Game of Thrones game where you're building a line. Now, if I'm just saying, in that type of scenario, then, yes, that's poignant. But Game of Thrones wasn't about kicking ass all the time. There were certainly points, you know, times where there was battle and all that great stuff that we love. But it wasn't the meat and potatoes of what was taking place. No, but I will say on top of that tone, too, I agree with you. And I think that there's actually, for me as a player, but also running the game, that I think that each session can be a little more weighted on one side or the other uh, of what what's happening during the game. So some games are going to be real combat heavy. Some yeah. games are going to be more exploratory. Some games are going to be real social, especially you come into a new town or a new city. And I personally want to help foster some of that because I think it helps with some of the players who want some of that and not just combat or not just exploration or not just role play and social encounters. But on top of that, too, we've talked about this many times, that the difference between the stories we read and watch and D&D or other RPGs, you can take a lot of influence from those movies, TV shows, books. They cannot be your game. They don't work that way. Because a perfect example, real quick here. I don't know if anybody's watching the Lost in Space series on Netflix. I have not. I've, uh, I've wanted to check it out. My wife I, actually watched it and liked yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're in third third or fourth season now. I can't remember. We're, Bonnie and I are watching the, the newest one now. So spoilers, turn off for 30 seconds if you're watching it, come back. Anyway, they've gotten to Alpha Centauri, which is where the, uh, the human uh, colony is, where they've gone. And the robots are coming after them, right? And they found them. And there's this big scene at the, in under the dam with the turbines and the defense system has to be powered by the turbines and robot shows up who's friends with the Robinsons to fight all of these really crazy beast ass CR 20 robots. Right. I mean, these things kill a human like without even trying. Right. They still have three attack actions after they kill like five humans. Right. So he's facing off with like five of them and you're like, what's about to happen? And all he does is punch the area where there's a big water container. It flushes them all out of the dam, down the waterfall into wherever the stream that's like, you know, a thousand feet below. Awesome scene. But is that what you want your big bad to go on? You know, okay, roll initiative. Okay, I break the water container. You're all washed out. Okay, cool. So anyway, we're moving along here in the game, (laughs) right? Like there's things that work in in story that you can pull influence from, but they're not the same with RPGs. They're just. I mean, not. it's actually it's satisfying for that one player, but only right. that one player. Right. Yeah, Everyone else right. like, well, I guess I don't. I, I guess you don't need my help here. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's there's also another thing we're not talking about, which is we we've hit before and plays into this a little bit. D and D does not encourage the one monster fight. D&D really does want you, like, like, to balance the fight, you need to have multiple monsters out there. Otherwise, the action economy destroys your monster. So you have a situation where, on the one hand, you, you know, you don't want to have too many monsters. You just let us on the fight. On the other hand, you can't just have one monster or it gets Cuisinart. You know, it gets blended. It's basically in a blender. You know, it's, (laughs) so it's, and that's a little bit, 
there's tension there in the system between balancing these two things. Like, for instance, we're talking about how there was like so many initiatives in that fight with the Demulich. Yeah. There were seven party members and there was one Demulich, four flame skulls. So that's five. An iron golem with a with a flame elemental inside him. That'd be seven. And then I also had two flesh golems, or I think a flesh golem and a, like a, another kind of golem, which which weren't really going to last very long. So like, it wasn't like it was like two to one. Like it was just basically as many monsters as there were party members, okay. and that already stretches the initiative that far and slows the game down. Yeah, being summoned something, and then somebody else had a pet, and. <laughs> Yeah, that's where the rubber really hits the road. You can hear the microprocessors just grinding within the game. But if that was, you like, I want to have a balanced battle and that was the, the scenario, then go for it. But if all the battles are constructed where you're like, I'm going to give a challenge. A de- See, it's like the fourth edition philosophy. This is a challenging but not ridiculous battle. And a challenging battle, well, it takes time to complete. So you're sacrificing the time investment there, and it's not too challenging. You're not really threatened, and in that sense, it's kind of a problem too because you're in a combat, and I'm like, I am absolutely fresh as a daisy in round six. Like, and that's the thing. Like, in every session, don't you want to have a some kind of challenging climax to the session? Yes, but I don't. I'm going to say more insanity, but doesn't always <laughs> have to come from combat. Right. Maybe not. And we've had we've had combat. We've had sessions in this game without combat. We've had totally social sessions. I mean, we've done it all. What winds up happening to, in what I'm finding is a, is kind of happening is like, OK, you guys need to go through the dark swamp to get to the lair to fight the dragon to then loot the dragon's lair. And it's just if I'm going to put you through that kind of very typical fantasy scenario. Sure. It's all non, it's all pretty much combat and survival stuff. There's not a lot of like, you know, negotiation. It could be, I could, I could I have had you meet a friendly tribe of lizard people and negotiate your way across. I could have, it's not what I chose to do because I wanted you interacting with the dragon more, but so it's all hostile. And if that bogs, if that goes from like, okay, so if I'm thinking, okay, we'll do one session to get to the tree, one session to get into the tree and fight the dragon. And then you get out. That's kind of what I planned but it turned into like two or three sessions to get to the tree, one session to kill the dragon, two sessions to get to the final battle, two sessions to complete the final battle. It's been six months since you guys have had anyone to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's suck it, bards. That's somewhat more for the course for this group though. Cause I mean, we would go uh, for, you know, eons through the woods. I was uh, really were... trying to work on that. I was trying oh, no. to give you more talking to them. No, you absolutely no, and I think you have. And I will tell I will say I do understand what you were saying in terms of on your side of things. But truth be told, in all of those sessions, there have been a couple times where it's like it's frustrating or whatever, but for the most part, we've ended all of those sessions at a really great point. Mm-hmm. Like when we got to the point and we put up Liam and tiny hut when we finally got into the swamp and near the lair after that whole thing where we split the party and all of this. Yeah. Yeah. We got up there and you ended it with the black dragon skeletal face looking in, in essence, like he wasn't looking into the hut cause he couldn't, but like right there in the hut, well, you we don't see know that him. he's looking at you. You don't know if he can see you or not. Right. Yeah. So that was a great point to end it, you know, and also after we, uh, you know, when we enter the lair and we get to the Demi-Lich fight and it gets to the point where it's still ramped up and we're like, OK, I'll see you next episode. You know, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's kind of the cliffhanger effect. 
Absolutely. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Uh, and I'm certainly not anti-combat, and I sound like it. I'm not anti-maps either. I just hate drawing them. I mean, okay. <laughs> but, uh, and, and guys, don't hate me for this either. Uh, so I ran a Christmas game for my girlfriend, and there was exactly, <laughs> well, there was I tr- there was almost a combat, and that did not happen. <laughs> Now, not everybody's in for that kind of game. Though. I feel like that is that's par for the course with that, though. Yeah, we talked about this before. Like she's a yeah. very she, she finds non-combat ways to deal yeah, with. Yeah, she's looking at things differently. I find cool. it in the Frost Maiden campaign too, which has been a little bit on hold currently, but I think we're getting back together next month. But um, people look at the game differently, especially if they're not coming from one a D and D background, but two a fantasy of any kind background. Uh, I myself find that very refreshing and very invigorating because those are also the kind of players and some of the the game that I want to pull in. But we're getting a bit off topic for the the how hard. Well, I mean, so we, we came here to talk about how hard is too hard. And what we've, what we've really established is that there's hard and then there's also time investment. Yeah. So it's not always how hard now, is too hard. Sometimes it's how long is too long. Here's Here's where how hard is too hard in my mind is – with the holiday game, because I saw what you guys had done with uh, my powered up Strahd, right? Yeah. That you could go read about. So I powered him up to make him a, a good boss. I him wanted is, him to be a good boss fight. There wasn't Who's him in this case, Strahd or, or Sam? Strahd. Yeah, I wanted Strahd to be a good boss. So I, I powered him up because yeah. I wanted to also play that he's this former conqueror and a, a king and that type of th- like i wanted him to be that kind of guy he's a ballsy guy he's not the the slinking in the shadows villain as much anyway and you guys handled him well and we talk a lot about the idea of resource management with D and building and you guys came into the first session of that as thorin has pointed out multiple times with already some lack of resources and then you went through several battles and then you had a big fight with Strahd in the audience chamber, and he escapes. And you don't guys don't have a chance to long rest or short rest even because you have to go. So you run down, you find yourself in the crypt, and you have the finale of the fight where I threw a couple brides out there. I had a couple, you know, giant spider, like little shit, but things that are just more things on the battlefield, right, for you to deal with. And you guys still came through that fight really really well even tapped like that so i said all right fuck this the gloves are off so i found the cr20 santa claus right uh from james intra uh intra uh he does a whole thing of a bunch of different write-ups he's made he does a cool santa and a mrs claus who was a cr17 and i was <laughs> like do i want to put these two together and i'm like i don't really want to do that if it if it happens it happens right so yeah. I would have done it. But instead, I decided to do, because of time constraints, I did the Santa battle with a couple winter elves after you guys had fought the the wrapping paper of smothering and the giant teddy bear and yeah. stuff. I, I mean, and in that, fight, that, that, would have been, that, day. that would have been too hard at that point. So if I put up Santa and Mrs. Claus, that's where I think it would have uh, immediately. So you can throw out some big, massive bad boy. Uh, to a party like we're playing with a five or six, seven person party. But once you start doubling up on that, that's where I think it's going to the rubbers are going to hit the road and they're not going to be happy about it. 
Maybe. Maybe. Now, actually, I think everyone was pretty happy. I felt like the Santa fight was tough but fair. I do think. Oh, it was tough. Yeah. From a time point of view, and just, you know, we got to give the, the audience a little more context what we're talking about here. Sure. So, you know, we went to Santa. So this is the 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 the, the basically the Curse of Strahd holiday session. Right after we had fought Strahd, we were basically invited by uh, Morden Kanan, dressed like an elf, to come. Morty. Sit, Morty the head Morty, elf. Morty, Morty, Morty <laughs> the head elf. It was actually Morden Kanan, or so he says. He, mm-hmm. But he was missing his spell book. But he needed us to go through this portal to save Christmas, essentially, to go find out why all the energies were being sucked. Energies were being sucked there from other realms. I mean, this is probably some of the most original Christmas programming that's ever happened. I mean, save Santa and the North Pole. I, I don't think anyone's really done that before. The Woodstock so you're welcome, Wand- Earth. You're the Woodstock Wanderers game is going to be a little more derivative. I'll let you know that. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, so we get in, we go, we basically, we, we make a beeline to the workshop, and in the workshop, we get a, one fight against a bunch of wrapping paper elementals. Once we get rid of those, and they were actually fairly tough. That took that a That was, uh, they were just rugs of smothering. Uh, rugs of smothering. That I made them wrapping paper of smothering. But you yeah. also, it felt like they were also a little tougher than a regular rug of smothering, weren't no, they? No, they were, they huh? were the straight guys. I did throw six of them out there. Yeah. And two of the big toy soldiers. And well, the gigantic after- big teddy bear. Yeah, they came in round two. I had them drop in on Were round, they round two. two. I thought they came in after we got rid of all yeah. the wrapping paper. Because yeah, you guys got rid of the wrapping paper in about a round. Huh. Yeah. I'm yeah. in here so losing fought- to a rug. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then we fought the toy soldiers and the big teddy bear. And by that time, it felt like you were rushed. Like it felt like you were like, well, that's all the time I have bringing Santa because Santa crashes through the door with a bunch of elves. Yeah. So it felt like it's because like, I screwed up on my time management with the whole uh, skating across Lake Zarovich on the sleighs. That took way right. longer I forgot than, about I, that. Yeah. than I had kind of planned on it. And I didn't really know where to go with it other than just being like, oh, and you get across because then it's like, well, then Dave's just going to get us across. Right. So there had to be something there. So that did not feel long. like you were just going to get us across. It did feel like we had to work for it. Yeah, but okay, exactly. so that was basically four encounters at that point. Then we meet Santa Claus. So, yeah, I guess, you know, timing-wise, that's not bad. And then we had the Santa Claus fight with, what, I think four or five of his elves? I, I had four elves with him, yeah, yeah, at that point. I feel like that was pretty much right at our tough but good fight kind of limit. I don't feel – I don't know on the back end if you were reducing him or anything. But I felt like you kind of hit really, really the pretty much – The only thing I wasn't yeah. playing with were his lair actions, mainly because, mm-hmm. one, I was a little worried about him. Uh, with where you guys are, because he was a CR20. So, you know, you guys are level 12. But with that said, I also, it was one more thing on the initiative tracker, right? Like yeah. we talked about. Yeah. So I feel like that was pretty even. Like, I felt like it was hard. It definitely felt hard to hit Santa. Santa's armor class was very high. But I felt like there was a lot to do, especially once we started throwing around some area effects. I felt like we could handle it. I mean, Tony, did you feel like that was on the edge of too hard? Or how do you feel about that one? That was a hard fight. I don't feel that was too much in the range. Like, I didn't feel like we were going to die at any point, though, to be really honest. Like, I felt like yeah. that was relatively under control, despite all this holiday hijinks. Yeah, the uh, the only time, and that's, I think we've talked about that before, too, where we kind of are often measuring, and I'm guessing a lot of DMs out there are the same way, are measuring the challengingness or the hardness of a fight with, how many times did I drop one of the players, right? Like, that's our metric a lot of times. But well, it doesn't necessarily have to be, right? It's not how many – for me, it's not how many times did I drop one. For me, it's how deep did they have to go. 
Because you can see, you can see how hard the players have to work, you know, and if it's a tough fight, you want them to work, you want them to get deeper into their, into their spells and stuff. You don't want it to be okay. So the wizard used three of his 16 fireballs and the fight's over. You want him to have to kind of come up with, you want, (laughs) I think I've made Dave snort coffee through his nose. Almost, almost. (laughs) I mean, I think to me, you know, and I feel this as a player too, a hard fight is when I'm at the point of, okay, I've used the obvious stuff. Now what? I want them to get there. So you want to get them into their deeper water and kind of make them think and work a little bit for it. That to me is what I'm looking for. And if a player drops or not drops, yeah, it happens. Usually no one dies, you know, not promising anything. Or if someone dies, you know, you guys have the, you guys have the revivification ability. So, you know, I can, I can take someone down, but that's not necessarily what I'm looking for. I'm looking to make the player sweat a little. I think there, there's two elements in there. I think there's a good element when I think something is very difficult, like that oh shit moment when you encounter the Demlich. That mm. worked. That was fantastic. That had an element of exciting to it. But on the negative side of this, I remember in one game, my adversary was a particularly really heavy-hitting vampire lord. I had done the whole Rocky montage. I had trained. I did all this stuff. I got all this equipment. I went after him. And in round one, he plowed me into the freaking ground. And (laughs) I remember thinking, I went through a lot of work for this. As I was like picking up like my teeth with broken fingers. I mean, it was really some, it was rough. (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about. When it's too hard, it's like, well... Am I going to what? Think of something creative? Like I'm going to throw my sword, hit the tree branch, have it donk him on the head, and I'm going to run away? I, I I don't know. Like, like The DM then is looking for something very specific, and you could be on two different wavelengths. It could cause really bad problems. That's like, true. And that is something I try to avoid when the DM has a, you need to figure out the one thing that can hurt this guy. I don't oh, do that. yeah. Like I never, I never make someone who's like, oh, he's got a secret weak spot, but otherwise he's invulnerable. But I know we have people who have, I mean, in the games we played with, uh, with, with with some of our other friends, you and me, Tony, well, I wasn't in this game, but I've heard tale of Skeletor, the adamantine skeleton. Yes. Not not the masters of the universe Skeletor, but yes, this guy who we dubbed Skeletor really just, what's his special power? He didn't take damage. It was a little annoying. I got to tell you. (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah, I heard that's this not. guy described as he was made of bullshitium. I mean, that's basically how people remember this Mol- villain. Mol- yeah, that's not that's not um that's not at all satisfying uh in terms of that's that's the difference between the story and RPGs, right? In a story thing where someone is invulnerable in that way and you have to find that special thing, cool. But in the game, you have to set it up where the characters can at least find what that is. And then they go on a quest to find out how do I destroy this thing? How do I take away the bindings he has or the powers he has, whatever it might be? Yeah, it's got to be kind of. That's but the they have to know that they have to know that. Yeah, they can't like drop, which literally happened in this game. They can't drop a macro super dimensional fortress on his head only to find out, no, he still survived that as well, which is something that is in this. We talk about the mythologies of your games. This is in this group. Everyone remembers we dropped the macro super dimensional fortress on his head and he still didn't die. And like it is not remembered as a positive thing. Yeah, yeah that was a great moment. Yeah, no, it was not. I mean, you kind of, but I, I agree you can do it if you set it up and you make it part of, and maybe even the first time they meet him, they find out the hard way once. 
but then there's got to be something they can find out as far as how can I deal with this guy? There's got, there's got to be something else there that they can do then. But that is an example of something that's become legendarily too hard in our circles. One thing Dave did that I liked in the squad yes. game. Yes. Tell me more about my eyes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure color they are actually. I mean, I know you have two of them, but <laughs> In the Strahd game, Strahd came out early, smacked us around, and bounced. Yeah. And at no point did I feel like like we were going to die because like it was obvious he was toying with us. That is – the villain comes in, flexes, and leaves. Okay, fine. Yeah, Got I'm okay it. with that. I'm generally okay with that. That, that, that kind of – that. that needs to happen in so, in certain uh, adventures, right? Yeah. Got to give but him I, a little reason to want to kill him. You know, you got you got to give him something to remember him by. Yeah. If Straw didn't have a litany of things that would make you want to kill him, just on principle. But I was in another game where I was being hounded by this incredibly high level warrior who was just smacking me around and would show up every other game, and I'm like trying to buy a sandwich in a lug truck, and here comes this asshole. I'm like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> is, is he tougher? We could take him. He's like ten levels higher than all of us. That doesn't I will, seem fair. Tony, it's I will not. tell you, I remember you talking about that when we were first starting the Strahd campaign, and you were talking about how, you know, people when they trot out this this heavy-duty powered, like end big boss person right in the beginning, but they just keep trotting them out like every game. And I heard that loud and clear, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna use him sparingly here and there. He's gonna be involved. But I think it's one of the reasons that it went towards that. Um, we talked about how he was a little bit of a distance away, you know? You could have gone a little heavier with Straw, not too much. Because, and then, here's the thing, right? We're talking about balance. There's a difference between I am hounding my players to the point of annoyance and Straw shows up three or four times and just to, annoy, just to, just to make sure they want to kill him. You know, you could have gone a little more. You could have had him, because I think Straw only fought us. I think we only encountered him once before the big battle. You no. probably could have done at least three. No, we saw him in the crypt. He came out and we oh, saw no, him on Yester right. Hill. So really, we saw him three times in the flesh before we threw down. But we didn't fight him into it. We only fought him once. He could have come around and smacked us around probably three times. And it would have been. Yeah. I did. Know. A lot of the times that you were running into him after the village of Barovia itself. So the first time he comes out and, oh, welcome to my land. And he, he punches you in the teeth, right? Drinks your blood. Sip of somebody. Yeah, and then he came when you were burying the Burgomaster uh, to claim Arena because that's, you know, it's brand new then at that point. At that, up to that point, you guys then saw him again at Yester Hill, but he was already there. And then he threw a couple things down and vamoosed because I didn't want him in the battle because it was already massive, right? It was. Now, I will say there were points in there. Where uh, so here real quick because uh, we can because he's destroyed so he's not going to show up. Lord Van Royen was Strahd in Valaki. Which one was Lord Van? Was he the one who was on our side? Duncan was he, Lord Van Royen. He was the one that looked like Duncan from yeah, Island. What yeah. he was Strahd? Yeah, he was he was the one who all the boxes that were in the coffee maker shop were they they were all under Lloyd Van Royen. And yeah. then we went to follow and that up. They're like, oh no, that wasn't correct. Rick Tavio didn't really like him, but then uh Martikoff, the guy who owns the Blue Water Inn, he was very into it because Van Royen was bringing money in and influence yeah. and helping the town. And he was helping Blinsky and all these people. And so he was playing in there being he looked like Sergey. So he was that that vision of him was his brother. 
And uh, yeah, so he was there. So depending on how you guys, what you guys did, what the party decided to do, he could have been involved. But depending on where, but you guys then went off. You went to Argonville. You went to the Amber Temple. Well, you went, well, you we, know. We were, we were run out of town. Oh, well, that too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Sure. Actually, I kind of wish that certain. I mean, I sure, you could say that. I mean, sure, I guess you could say it that way. <laughs> we were run out of town. I mean, they were they were, they were blaming us for Bobby for Bobby Lasaga showing up and blowing up half of them. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're the reason my brother and mother and three cousins are dead. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Well, it was fireball good. explodes I, in the town square. I will say, actually, I would have liked to have had that Van Van Roy in turns into Strahd encounter. I think that would have been a cool thing to have over the course of the campaign. Yeah, I mean, a lot of other cool things. You make some choices. Exactly. But exactly. That does sound like one. I kind of like that would have been neat. I, I would have enjoyed that. But yeah, those are those are examples too. I think of fights that were hard without being overly so. Uh, both the Town Square and Velaki, and then Yester Hill. So then let's talk about fights that have been too hard. <laughs> that have caused that have caused friction in the games. We've talked about this before, but I think we've oh, got to okay. talk about sure. we have to talk about um Ark Kang, the, oh, Ark Kang. Yep. the the the, the Arakokra oh, monk yep. that the party hates, and the Brother Maynard fight, which was the paladin this isn't all in Woodstock Wanderers, the paladin who they had originally been sent to try to rescue or find out what happened to him, he had joined the other team and he basically showed up to kill the party. In both cases these were higher level NPCs made as characters. So they were literally like there was, there were several levels above the party, but not like double the party, but like several levels above the one was a monk an our monk, which is a pretty optimized class. And the other one was a human paladin with some special abilities and stuff because he had been worshiping God and they both had been worshiping God and So they had some special abilities to like make walls that would try to devour the party and things like that. Now the first fight, with the Arakokra, actually had one party member literally run away and retire his character. And I think in general, the players did not appreciate it because I played him tough. I played him like a hard, tactically intelligent monk who could make walls, and he would basically show up, stun some people, hit them, flip over the wall so they couldn't hit him back. They'd try to run around the wall and get to him, then he'd pop out because he can fly. Pop. So I was using all the Arakokra abilities to make it hard. And the party, what I had hoped would happen was the party would start, you know, because what I would have done as a player is I would have started waiting on him to pop up over the wall and readying attacks and just start shooting at him. But one of the players who could do that wasn't really participating. Another one ran away. So, like, I was expecting this a lot of a lot of ranged fire to control this guy and shoot him out of the sky. In the way the fight broke down, he didn't get it. And I, the party has come to hate that character. And it became a point of discussion because they felt like what he was doing was bullshit. So and now Tony wasn't in at that point. Dave, you were. Yeah. I mean, is our Kang, is that just too hard? Is that, is that, a, is that, a, is that a character that's just now, too hard to put against? So the as I have been running the games more, I've seen, um, you know, you see both sides of the screen in that way. You were absolutely playing him tactically. Uh, that way, you know, you weren't giving him, aside from some of the, I think he might have had some, did he have powers from Gadanathwa as well or no? He did. Well, the only thing he could do would make, was make the, he, so Gadanathwa, one of the abilities that this, and, the, and just, just again for reference, Gadanathwa is this elder being that lives inside this world. The world they're on is actually its egg, and when it erupts, the world will be destroyed. You can, the followers of Gadanathwa, the ones who are feeding its souls in order to wake it up, can call upon it to do many things, but one of them is they can make rifts 
that tentacles shoot up out of. And if the tentacles get hold of someone, they damage them and they can pull them down and actually eat them. If that happens, the character who created the rift gets an energy boost. They get it. They get gifts from God and Othwise. They sacrifice more souls. This is all house ruled. Maybe we'll release it one day. Maybe not. I'm not sure. <laughs> it depends how it all winds up working out. So oh. he had that. And he was at a high power level. So he was able to make many, like several of those walls and really box the party in. Yeah. And I think that was the first time because we had not had the big Brother Maynard fight yet. No, Brother Maynard, but Brother Maynard was like two episodes later. Yeah, so that was the first time that we had seen this um, plot device occur, this this power, right? And we talk, I think part of this is what we've talked about with 5e specifically and some of the the additions prior is that they've created rule sets within things. So things work certain ways as opposed to like back in 1e and 2e where it was a lot of discretion. And I think there was a matter of some of that feeling like we I don't know if we understood fully, at least I didn't fully, that these people literally had completely invented powers from it. And any fight where no one can get no matter what you do, it doesn't work no matter what. Every single thing we did failed. Every spell, every attack, every... So at that point, you just start to lose, like, you're like, well, I don't, I don't feel like there's anything, I've tried all the things I have, so you don't, you can start to, it doesn't, it, it becomes frustrating, but not in a pleasant way, you know? And to, and, and to put some context on that, part of the reason that worked out that way was he had been watching them, he had some abilities, like, he actually has a Staff of the Arch Magi on him, or something like that. Staff of Power or something Staff of like Power. That, right. Which is which he's he can use because he has because of the Gadanatha thing he has a warlock connection they can use warlock abilities because they're effectively right. they've picked up a little uh, the the the, the Gadanatha is they a, have patron a patron of a sword. yeah now that's on there I saw him as like a pinata he was full of stuff for everyone in the party <laughs> if they could have just killed him the wizard would have loved the staff of power but like that was the thing like so he had watched the party he's supposed to be ta- ta- tactically intelligent. So, like, he sat there and having reconnoitered the party, he was sitting in a globe of vulnerability. So, at this point in time, the party's opening move was, okay, fireballs, everyone. And all the fireballs, like, so they wasted, like, yeah, everyone wasted a spell slot hitting a globe of invulnerability. That just, that, that did nothing. So, it was like, it would, a lot of this was tactically fair. Like, it's in the abilities. It wasn't like broken. No, it's not a matter of, but again, it's not a matter of, of being right. Or as we talked about before, when we talked about these sessions, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about what is the, how are people reading the situation hmm. right and as a player who runs a lot of games it reads during the play that it does not matter what i'm doing even to the point of things happened before that I, I i had never seen happen previous i remember i had my spiritual weapon out hmm. and the tentacles grabbed it and threw it miles away so i didn't even have it anymore and i was like that's a thing okay all right and then we were like, okay, we're going to polymorph him. And we turned him into a turtle who has the intelligence of a turtle. And he then committed suicide by jumping off the ledge to kill, to have bludgeoning damage to stop being a turtle, right? And return to being Art Kang. Those types of things where you're like, yes, it's, it's completely within the, well, partly within the rule set, but it doesn't read that way when you're, when you're in the midst of the game necessarily. I mean... So that's an interesting thing. That, so you get this tactical difficulty. And of course, as a DM, you've prepared, you've got this thought out, you know, the battlefield, they're walking into this for the first time and they feel like they got smoked. 
What the thing is, they really got smoked. They just kind of, they would have won that battle. They had just pushed it and they just chose. Oh, man, no, they, we, they didn't. This is not a party that is not used to getting smoked. Uh, <laughs> we, we've been smoked several times over. You know? so, why, so what would you have done differently? Me, myself? Yeah, no, you, yeah. No, uh, actually, that's you, Thorne. You're running oh. the game. <laughs> Ever, everyone's mad at you a year later about this, which I missed, apparently. I'd have thrown this guy in a friggin' bear hug and fallen forward on him and be like, I'm a storm giant. Like to see you move me, bird. And that's how that fight would have ended. <laughs> we well, uh, don't have month, any so other storm, storm giants. Giant, we had a doddering old geriatric yeah. wizard. and uh, <laughs> Now, to be fair, I'm only the size of an ogre. I'm not really 20-something feet tall, but I weigh like 950 pounds, and he'd be going nowhere because I'd bet hard money his points aren't in his strength. Well, no, but he actually, the, the monk has evasion abilities. So that was the tricky thing. So like one of the okay. things is like, the, for instance, the monk, if the monk makes a saving throw, which is really, really high, he takes no damage from like area effects and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. He has high dex, he has flight, uh, he's very fast. Uh, well, I mean, he, no, but he, can, but he can escape a grapple with an acrobatics check, or he can just stun you and move away. Yeah. Mm, we have to be tested, and that might happen. So No, not, not if he stunned you. I mean, that's the thing. This is just all in one class stuff. Oh, uh, right? good luck with my high con, though. I've thought of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Arc Kang's pretty tough. And the thing is, Arc, like I said, he's intelligent and he flies. All I have to do is get that nerd on the ground for one round where all my buddies could come over and start kicking him. It'd be over. <laughs> no, because here's here's great. Here's good examples. So you have multiple. Like I said, we are not a party that's not used to getting smoked, right? We've had multiple encounters where we've gotten our asses handed to us. The red cap incident, right? Just one. I mean, red, oh, that's one. The red cap incident. Then when we were captured the first time by Brother Maynard. Well, that was the red cap incident. And strung up on the thing, right? Um, none of these, all of those times. The party was re your players were reading it as this is awesome. This is super exciting. We're all going to die. How are we going to get out of this? Everyone was reading this other situation differently. So it's what it is, you know. I mean, I would say those two things, though, that was part of one. The the red cap incident led directly to the capture by Brother Maynard, because that was yeah, literally what happened. That was one of our examples. That's yeah. where you did the cliffhanger. We yeah. opened our eyes and we were strung up in the in and I think, of the cabin. I think that felt story focused was one of the things that made that different. I think that because it really came off as, OK, the red caps were obviously overpowered. That was a mistake, but it really felt like it was part of the story. And I think that's part of why people took it that way. That and the ghost that uh, that prior the session prior to that, the ghost that had possessed uh, Sir Morton. And we spent a good two hours trying to figure out how to stop this thing from trying to throw him over the uh, the side of the cavern. I don't think that was actually. I thought you dealt with the ghost really quickly. You had another encounter. No, it took us a while because we nothing we were trying. We were doing all like stuff, that, and you just kept saying like, "It's a ghost. It probably has some kind of like." last thing that it needs to complete um <laughs> like all ghost you know ghost mythologies you know but like those times it wasn't a matter of that so uh, sometimes yeah. it's just the way that the table is going and that the way it's reading it you know like during the red cap incident is a good example i think that one of the big differences even though we were getting blasted is things we were doing were still working mm. we were still we were still fighting we just got out fought with the Art Kang incident, it didn't necessarily feel like we got outfought. It felt like we didn't get to see the whole board, let's, let's say, or the whole game. 
and you saw the whole game and you know that so you obviously have the advantage there with it well in the tricky part there's a ton doesn't about, mean that you're wrong in the in running it that way but that is how some people are going to read that situation so what do you do with that well i mean and tony and asked me what i would do differently i i mean there's there's two sides to this right there's the how do i wish the party had reacted <laughs> you know and honestly i mean i do wish they had taken to the challenge a little more because there are definitely tactical things that could have been done like I said, you guys were basically one good salvo away from killing this guy. Or if people had just kind of sat on their attacks and kind of ready to attack for when he appeared, things like that would have been much more effective. Okay, but that's Possibly. the party didn't think of that. Um, I wish I hadn't thrown the spiritual weapon away. I kind of get how that feels weird. Sacrificing the turtle, I think, I mean, I read that was the first time we'd had a polymorph go. And I think yeah. that's, I think it's fair. I mean, because you're still, it says they have the intelligence of the turtle, but it also says they're still, they're, they still have consciousness of themselves. Yeah, your your personality remains. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. But your stats. Change. You guys couldn't stop a turtle from throwing itself off a cliff. Well, oh, they didn't get a chance. It didn't yet. matter. We polymorphed, and the turtle immediately jumped off the ledge to its death. His his turn came up. You deserve to lose. I'm sorry. Yeah, his, his turn. Well. It might have been the I don't no, I think that that's I I completely fucking disagree with that. That alone, that that move alone is going if I had done that, I know for certain that there would have been a shit ton of salt on that table. And I know a lot of it would have been coming from Thorin, because you have not liked a couple things have gotten we've gotten salty at certain games. Death House is a great example. When it feels like no matter what you do, you're going to lose. If you start to feel that way, whether that's, it's correct or not. That's not what I said about those things, though. What I've and, and, and it's a different thing. What I've said about Death House, for example, was that it wasn't communicated. We didn't understand what we had to do, which is similar to what you're saying. Exactly. But not the same. It's not that I felt like we couldn't do anything right. It's that the idea that we had to make a blood sacrifice wasn't clear. Like, like that never was said. Like it wasn't we had no way to know that. And then the idea that the house was killing us instead of a way to get out. Like that just that was what that was about. I was like, okay, we did something wrong and we don't know what we did wrong. That was that was what that was about. This I feel like is is like you're saying, it's more about how the party read it. Yeah, you know it's, it's I, the I, difference I, between being right and being understanding of what is actually happening, right? You can be right. I've said this before. People yeah, are but not that really minimalizes to, it. I mean, you I get but no, but saying, people but that are dealing really gonna be, minimalizes the other side of the argument. I mean, if you're if if you if your if your point is that okay, I feel one way, you feel you feel another way, but I only feel that way because I want to be right, and I'm not sensitive to the other to, to the other side. Well, by definition, you're not being sensitive to the other side either. You know what well, I mean? No, I I I said earlier that I think that you absolutely ran that character in a in a in a way that is appropriate. There are certain circumstances within that fight mm. that absolutely were not, and that make a make people feel as though. Okay, there's one way, the bullshitium thing that you guys were just talking about. There's one way that the DM wants us to to figure this but, out. But, but uh, that was the thing. The players assumed that, that and that was never true. That's fine. And that's actually what still bothers me about that encounter because players assumed that and that has never been true in any encounter I've ever put these players in. Okay. Now, I mean, Paul All I can tell you is me as a player who is versed in running a game and versed in 5e and all of these things. That's my take on it, understanding where you were coming from and not having a big issue with it, but saying, here's some examples. And now you take that with a party that's already frustrated. That's probably going to go one way. 
you know, if people feel as though no matter what they do or what cool idea they come up with, well, no, that's just not going to happen. That's only going to last so long. And I think that's what we saw. I don't remember many cool ideas being come up with in that encounter. Cool ideas that you thought were. I don't remember any creative ideas being come up with in that encounter. We we turned them into a turtle. Using polymorph is not a creative idea. It's a saber slug spell that you're hoping gets you out of out of trouble. I mean, like that's fine, but I mean, in I mean, the po- turning in something the end, into polymorph only works if you can then corral it, and you guys didn't think that part through. In the end, if you ask the question and you get an answer, you can either accept the answer or not, but that's the answer. It's not going to change. So this has to be met in the middle somewhere, or it can't be, right? Because people have to feel as though there is some understanding there. And that's where I think that went wrong, is I don't feel as most of the people felt like there was an understanding at all. It felt more adversarial for a lot of the table. And that is not the way you want to run the game. That is not the way you want to be seen as a DM. So I know that that's something that you're not into. So if it's coming across that way, there's something that you could learn from it. And there's a lot that the players could also learn from it. There's no one here that is the person at fault. And I think this is a great example for the listeners, too. But it is the reality of the situation. This yeah. is what is happening. You can agree with it or disagree with it, and that doesn't really fucking matter because this is the reality of the situation. But, but, but there's something you said there that I, you, you threw in there to kind of soften it, but I don't think it's true, which is there's no okay. one here who's at fault. That okay. isn't true here. As what you're saying is I was at fault. No. But but it is. I mean, Not because- at all. No, because the players also – the players at a table also have to be – responsible for the way in which they are interacting with the game but you are but one player but they're the, not though and that's the thing that's the, in this situation though how hard we're talking how hard is too hard that's kind of what makes it tricky because the way that that plays out is okay now there's a roof on how hard can how how realistically can i play this intelligent villain how hard can i make mm-hmm. this when the player when the players stop trying to problem solve it and start to slowing up their hands and that's been the tricky thing. Yeah. And it happened again not long after that because we had the brother Maynard fight, which had a very similar kind of kind of reaction to it. And a lot of it is about things that, okay, so maybe there were some things that weren't in that were new, but you want the ability to introduce new things in the sure. game. You want the ability Absolutely. to introduce new powers. And there's not every, you know, the players don't know everything. And it gets hard to do that. But I mean, the question here is how hard is too hard? So is right. the answer then, you know. Is it, is it putting out stuff the players don't understand? No, I think it's very much dependent on your players, your table, and also what is currently happening. Because I threw out a couple examples where things that were really, really hard didn't have this effect whatsoever. Whatsoever. Because if anything, throwing six red caps at a CR3 against six party members of level two is a fucking nightmare, as we saw. Yeah. But no one said, oh, my God, he's trying to fuck us. No one said that. Everyone was like, oh, my God, that cra- that fight was crazy. Fuck these red caps, right? I mean, they were by the book. This is, so, I mean, the, 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 break, the break came between what was by the book and what was homebrew. No, because that that definitely wasn't by the book either. Because no, no, but but the monsters were the monsters. Yeah, were so once absolutely. once I introduced the stuff that was okay, this is unique to this world. This that was when we started running into trouble. Uh, I think it was one aspect of it. I think there was as we just dis- we discussed this. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, 
while back. There were multiple things that were building over this time period that start to turn into bigger problems, just like in any relationship, right? If things are not being dealt with or they're not being voiced, they're not gonna go away, right? They're going to build if they're not brought out in the light of day. So these kind of things, it's not a matter of if this situation, a tactical thing, no, it's a matter of feeling, I think, in the end. But I would love to get Tony's thought on this because he hasn't <laughs> talked for about 25 minutes. You know, I feel like it's the Family Guy skit where he's the Italian guy in any hypothetical situation. Well, if I had been at that encounter, what I would have hypothetical, what I would have done, that monk, oh, I'll tell you what I would have most likely done. He would have been in a lot of trouble. <laughs> if that guy hadn't left, I would have done. I'll tell you what yeah, I Yeah. Yeah, he'd have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what's, what is the what is too hard takeaway here, though? Yeah. Well, through all that, if OK, so the party, for whether, whatever reason, whether it was tactically or it was statistically too difficult, the players got frustrated and didn't enjoy it. That That's what I'm looking at this. I was actually in neither one of these encounters. No, I know. It's just, <laughs> and, that's, and that's why you haven't been talking. It's basically me and Dave. But I got nothing. <laughs> Dave's right from the point of view that we've talked this to death, but we've never actually dealt with the mechanical side of it. It's always been dealt with as a psychological issue. On a different side from one of my games, that neither of you gentlemen, actually, well, Thorne may have been in one of these games. I've been in some bullshit. Uh, that's true. No, no, uh-huh. you have. Actually, I, I didn't know you weren't even in this campaign. This is a campaign I ran in 2E. It was one of my many, many 2E campaigns. And my players, and I've said this before, would frontal assault every freaking encounter. And when they couldn't steamroll these guys with a frontal assault and big criticals, it was too hard. Like this, of course, this is years and years ago, but that really ran into a real difficult problem with me. You know, as the DM, I'm like, well, I'm going to crush everybody and they're going to go home and look at their emergency room bills and complain and gripe and be like, oh, this is bullshit. Or maybe they should have approached this differently. And in that situation, I was told, you know, that like, you know, my difficulty was too high in some of these encounters. But everyone was like, let me poke. I made this joke about it. It's, it's like second edition fighters. The monster's got five heads, two tails, a death aura. Charge. Go up and hug it. <laughs> Get it. Don't try to find a way around this monster. Don't perhaps mark this monster on the map and go, dear God, maybe we should train up and come back later. Nope, it's there. And Thorne, you got in trouble in a campaign with that in 4E because you put out a monster who was way too hard. He didn't even, like, he, you didn't, they didn't have to fight it. And they're like, no, no, it's here. I should be able to take it out. Is that, that how life yeah. works? No, it doesn't even, real life doesn't work like that. Neither does my fantasy life. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know about, about blame. It's about mitigating. It's like navigating the vibe of the room. That's a very difficult part. Yes. And we can prove this because the fight we were just talking about in the beginning of the episode with the Demi Lich, the four flame skulls, two flesh golems, and an iron golem. I think that was everything. Fire elemental. And a fire elemental. He had friends. Yeah. No one had, I didn't read anything like that from the room whatsoever, the room, quote unquote, right? I didn't read anything like that at all, that anyone was feeling as though this was untenable or or overmatched, even though if you clock that out, 
in terms of like just straight CR or it's something. It's a goddamn mathematical train wreck. Yeah. It's, it's hot. It's, yeah, he's clocking out in the same way I throw a CR20 Santa at you guys, right? But it's like, there's that, there's that balance to be found that we're, we've talked about. But that's a really hard fight that didn't feel the same way. You know? It was all, so. again, all book monsters. What, because yeah. what's been one of the effects that we've had of this is basically I've stuck to just not homebrewing stuff since then. Okay. And that's and that's sort of for me is a problem because we're going to get back into stuff that's homebrew. Thank God. I mean, that you I see mean, those words that makes me sad. You talk like that. Yeah, because and that's kind of the yeah. issue. It's like okay, so when I homebrew stuff, that kind of creates a problem. When I stick to the book, it's fine. But I won't don't want to stick to the book. We got this whole got enough with thing. There's no book on that. You yeah. know, I have it written down. But like all this stuff is going to be homebrew, and we're going to get back into it. Yeah. And I mean, if you think and and, and all the gang's still out there. Oh, the we'll the Malbion is going to be we'll way tougher. Steamroll that guy at this point. Yeah, the Malbion is the only one that I'm well, worried about now. Arcane is leveling up though. I mean, you're not the only guy's leveling up. He's leveling up too. But, but yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it can just be. There is the mechanical side of things. What is what's hard is too hard kind of thing, and that's a separate discussion. And I think that's where we were really going in the beginning, as opposed to this, where like Tony said, a matter of reading the room and seeing how people are reacting to something. And it's not necessarily a mechanical thing or a homebrew thing. It's this certain session or this group of sessions where something is happening and communication is not occurring in that way. That's going to be different. That's not a matter of, is, is it too hard? That's a matter of what is happening interpersonally within the game because in the end it is a psychological game as we've talked about many many times because it's all people sitting around a table pretending <laughs> right i mean so you put people in the mix it's not just chess right it's not just this chess board where i have certain moves i can do well i mean that's that's true but like i said now i've got to deal with i have another problem now which is i'm going to be rolling out more homebrew stuff I don't think it's this. And how do I balance this against problem. this party who hasn't been who 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 has shown a low tolerance for shit that you know get that that's weird. So no, I, mean, I don't think that that I don't I I would disagree with that because we have not said anything when you have now introduced that Ojin Bonnie's <laughs> character has somehow started to you know sacrifice things to Ganathwa and gained powers. So we now understand that. Which is good character. Something that's somehow that's okay with happening. Yeah. I, well, obviously we're not. We've had many sessions where we're <laughs> there's a lot of tension within the party <laughs> about that. But you know that's an understood element now. So I don't think that there's any issue with it being a homebrew thing. I think these sessions that you talk about are very specific, and I don't think they have anything to do with homebrew or mechanics. I think well, they have everything to do about how people read something. And if they're feeling uh, slighted by it or they're feeling like it, it, it's not fun for them anymore because they don't feel like they're a part of the game in the decision making in the game. And that's not right or wrong. That's how someone feels. So you either meet it head on or you don't. But it's there. Right. Well, we'll see, because, I mean, we're heading back in that direction now. We left that direction after that game. We're heading back in that direction. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see absolutely. How people react. I have to tell you that, and this is just my take on this, and I could be insane even more than you even imagine, which is a lot, I'm sure. But when you don't allow your the players to have input into the story, it just doesn't end well. 
And I've made mistakes in my own DMing career where people have wanted to do stuff. And I said, no, no, no. And that's kind of a shame. I look back on that and I think and I would have changed that. I would have been more receptive to that because, again, that's your free material. They're saying, I care about this character. I want to go in a direction with this character. I want to do something. Even if you personally are like, that's possibly the dumbest thing I've heard all month. And that's saying a lot. But let's let's see. Let's play it out. Let's let's roll. Let's roll. Let's roll with it. You know, you're going to put yourself out there. All right. It is your character. I don't think that's that's come up in this game. Yeah, I don't see. I'm not sure how that that's great advice. I don't know if it. If it's if it the fits time, into what's happening here. Yeah, the only well, you were talking, you were talking about uh, the only time I didn't let someone do the, something they wanted to do was the was the wizard had wanted to use light to blind someone, which fifth edition fifth edition light doesn't do. You know, so I was kind of in it was kind of in a look like look, you gotta learn the spells as they are now, not in second edition. It doesn't work that way now. That was, I think that's the only, like, because otherwise I'm trying yeah. to enable people to do stuff they want to do. Now I know your character wants to get wants to do something a little different than I had in mind, but that's up to you guys. You go wherever you want. No, Dave had talked about characters contributing to the overarching story. And I know that's not related to our difficulty question, but I mean, as far as a game mechanical thing, I think that uh, makes your life easier. My insane take on that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, difficulty. Eh, Yeah. Yeah. There is difficulty surrounding difficulty because some people were like, yeah, oh my God, this is so hard. This is great. I'm on the edge of my seat or like this dragon's freaking bullshit. Like I, like I walked in, we're hunting this dragon. It breathes all over us. And I got what? Five hit points left. Great. I'm glad we did this guys. I'm so happy to be here. I hate you for dragging me here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a difference. Like I said, there's definitely a difference between what's mechanically too hard and th- I think there are very, specific, you know, easy examples of that, right? Not necessarily in our games, because I think we've all run pretty challenging, but b- generally balanced encounters overall, you know, at least uh, attainable by the party. And then there's the, if a, if a group of players at the table don't feel as though that is fair. Well, it's kind of, right? how much can you frustrate your players? Circles. Yeah, a little Which bit. I know what this right? comes down to, right? I mean, really, yeah. it's not just it's it's how hard's too hard is another way of saying how how much can you frustrate your players before yeah. they b- b- before they start bailing. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point, actually. A good way to put it. That's a that's a very interesting point to look at because if you allow everybody to succeed all the time in everything they're doing, it has a difficulty rating of super baby mode. And yeah. that's <laughs> boring, even to the most casual pl- no, that's not true. I have met players that actually would be happy to come in, phone it in, and win every time. They're like, I'm great. It's like I kill a hundred things today and go home, and I don't care if they were children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at I don't care if I fireballed the orphanage. Yeah. I cheated at <laughs> fantasy football and won 16 games in a row yep that's fantastic i have met that player and that player is tough to 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 the wrangle mm. because you have too you had that one player in your campaign that was literally ready to rage quit because we're having a tough battle and i'm like uh what's happening <laughs> at, the, at the same time this is this is you know i i want to play the villain some villains tough i yeah. want some battles to be tough and i'm home brewing so I want to get into some stuff I want to play with, and it does run into this sometimes. You know, it runs into okay. So where, you know, how hard is too hard? Now there's there are CR rating, there's things you can look at, but sometimes you can also have fights where the players don't lose. 
and they still feel like it was too hard, which is came up in this whole scenario as well. You know, one of the one pieces of feedback was we didn't lose and no one died and we won in the end, but it doesn't feel like we won. Like it's that, you know, it's 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 how far can you take it? Well, that it can be answered with how often are you playing? And I keep saying this. So uh, if you want to kick yeah. you want to kick their ass and you're playing weekly, go ahead, beat them up, then let them have a shopping trip. Seriously, you can get away with that crap if you're playing weekly or a couple times a week. You're playing every four or five weeks. Uh, I mean, it's I, I would say your beating has got to be story-based. Like when you did it, it was a story-based defeat and they found themselves cinematically in, in the temple mm-hmm. strung up. Okay, I get that. But I, I would be more <laughs> careful. It was totally planned. He totally had that planned as he watched himself destroy the party. and went, oh, <laughs> shit. Um uh okay t- total party capture total party capture. i mean honestly as soon as that started happening i knew it was going to happen like right. that's not, yeah you saw it I mean, you saw it in yeah. the wind yeah well you, i mean i mean for, and, and for me when you improv a lot the kind of the lines you you know you see the lines right you're 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 coming up on an on a decision point it's almost like the prescience in doing the novel you can see all the ways this could go you just don't know what's going to happen in the valley where the thing happens but you see the paths coming out of it yeah. okay we're on the left path that leads to them captured as opposed to being on the right path that leads to them you know continuing on their own way the mechanics you work the same way the mechanics work the same way <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to be prescient when you're making things up as you go, but it is sort of kind of how how <laughs> how it works when you improv DM. You kind of got to know these things can happen in this situation, and you, you kind of know what you're going to do, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes it's like watching a Plinko ball fall down. You know, you know it's going to wind up in one of these one of these boxes at the bottom. You just don't know which one exactly, but you kind of know what the options are, you know? Yeah. I think, but uh, just to return to your point, Thor, I think that is absolutely uh, an excellent way to think about it. How how far can you push the frustration meter before you pin it or it breaks, right? That was actually one of the biggest things that I was dealing with as I, we were leading up to the big final confrontation with Strahd, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked a lot about this on the message boards and on Facebook and stuff. But a lot of DMs who have run him realize that if you want to run him the way that they put him out there, it's going to be, it sounds great narratively and cinematically and all that. It's a great story to read, but it's not necessarily the most fun story to play in because it's this, this hit and run, hit and run, hit and run, hit and run. Yeah, cool. And that's all mechanically appropriate because it's all in his write-up. Yeah. But is that going to be really sad? It'll be satisfying to a point, but I, it's not satisfying that. for the players. I don't you know, think it would be satisfying, for, at least for the table I was running. I had a table that were, were frothing at the mouth. They wanted the final battle to fight Strahd in his and, – and, and we did it, you know. But if it was that hit-and-run, hit-and-run, hit-and-run bullshit, cinematically, yeah, it works. Story, awesome, yay. And I don't think anybody would have really been very fucking happy about it. <laughs> that would have made me go, why did we come in here and beat this loser's ass four levels ago? I mean, <laughs> and that's and, and just to add context to this. So, you know, we've been writing about Astrod, you know, exploits yeah. on the website. We've been sharing it on social media. We've been getting conversations about how do you run Strahd. Uh, there's a solid portion of DMs out there who say Strahd is perfectly leveled as he is, so long as you fight him with a with a part with the party they intend and you haven't let the party get overpowered. The way Strahd should fight is he shows up, he does something, he warps through the wall, he goes somewhere else, and they've got to track him all over the castle. Yeah, he leads now, them into traps within the castle, in essence. 
I do think that could be fun where you do that leading up to when they finally corner him and he actually gets in the fisticuffs, you know, they actually get into the, 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 the straight right. up fight. Right. Right. It wasn't the way we chose to do it. I know Tony, as he had just said, doesn't enjoy that kind of battle. I think some of our other players probably don't. And I know that also from when I had a green dragon who constantly was strafing a party. We've talked about this before. One of the encounters I've had that kind of felt too hard and frustrated the party was a green dragon that kept flying by and breath weaponing them when most of the party didn't have missile weapons. What do you, what do you Part mean? of that was okay. You two, guys need to be ready because not everything's going to walk up and punch you. <laughs> very true. But it also really did piss people off. Like, like it, it frustrated people. people I was pissed off. I was at a party with a bunch of warriors who didn't bring any ranged weapons. I'm like, you're all fired. <laughs> as soon as we get out of this, I'm walking. Have a good life, guys. So, and that's kind of the thing is, and there's a way to do that with Strahd that is fun. In that way is... He shows up, he does something, he warps out, you figure out where he is, you get in there, you get in a new battle with new traps, and he warps out again. A great way to do yeah, a great way to do that is Strahd dies tonight. When you run the one shot or like a a two-night game, a Halloween game, that is awesome. You get people into Ravenloft right off the bat, everyone's fresh and, and excited, and then you can play all through that. But if you do that after 25 sessions of traveling through Barovia and all these places, you want that final, you know, so it's a different thing. You totally can do that. You know, the whole Strahd must die Halloween game. But yeah, I don't think that would have been, I think that would have pushed the frustration meter for uh, you guys pretty hard. Maybe. I don't think anybody would have, would have, I don't think that you yeah. want to, you know, dump your milk on the table or anything. I think, <laughs> I think you had a lot That's of totally a phrase, by the way, dumping your, <laughs> dump your milk on the table. table. I just made it up. Just, We're just going to flip the table. I don't know. I think, yeah. had, I think you had a lot of leeway with that party, actually. Um, in some ways, you know, the tricky thing with that fight in general was we went, it was a two part fight where one of those was the day we got together for the big costume dinner. Yeah, we're, we're all yeah. together in person. Yeah. And then at the end of that, it's like he gets away. And now we're finishing it online <laughs> like a month later, which yeah. wasn't bad. But it was kind of like that night at the dinner. It's like, ah, it was like Let's a little bit like climactic, you know? Yeah, I dressed up for this. Yeah. <laughs> I got all dressed up for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool, he ran away. Time, I think we would have, I think that party would have gone with whatever you wanted there. I mean, are there things that people might have bitched about? Sure. But even things I bitched about, I wasn't like, oh, fuck this game. Right. You know, right. I mean, even things where I was like, I, I would say later, okay, I think I wish we had done this differently. Yeah, yeah. But there was nothing I was so angry about that I was going to be like, you know, it was a good game. You know, yeah. it was, it was, you, know you, you get some leeway. No one's perfect. And not only is no one perfect, no one, everyone's going to agree with me. You know, you might want to do it that way anyway. That's fine. Absolutely. Um, right, right. But it, it, I mean, I don't. So I think that can work. But I do think I know from experience when the big bad doesn't stick around, players can get frustrated, you know, and it's again, and you, and I know at least some of those comments mentioned that, that, okay, I can play Strahd the right way, but how do I play Strahd the right, but it really frustrates my players where they don't like it. Yeah. So how can I keep leading them around? Because other people said this, like in addition to the people saying Strahd is fine, like he is, there were other people saying he's fine. If I play him in a way that my players hate. Yeah. Too hard. Yeah. yeah and then I handle that. I'd have freaking left. I'd be like, see a loser, and I would have started burning <laughs> his castle down. <laughs> but like you well, know, up there, come and face me, Lord of Ravenloft. All right. More like the hide and seek <laughs> champion. <laughs> but uh, it's, I guess, I mean, is that the takeaway? Is it like how hard's too hard? There's not a number on it. It's a matter of are your players frustrated and how frustrated, and how far can you push them before they get too frustrated? 
I, I think that, yeah, I th it is table to table, but I think that is probably something, I think that's a better takeaway overall because, you know, we could talk mechanics and, and challenge rating and all this kind of stuff all day, but really, as we've seen, even, even with our own games, it's not necessarily about how challenging or defeated the party becomes in the game. It's how defeated the players are feeling, or as you said, that, that frustration. I think that's a great way for a lot of DMs out there to kind of look through that lens as to where is that meter and how far can you push it and pin it before that fucker breaks. <laughs> you know, the truth is, no matter how mechanically solid Watsy tries to make the game, oh, yeah. the mechanical side of how hard it is is always totally mushy. Like, there is not a yeah. solid number you can give anyone to balance this. It really is a matter of play of what are your players feeling? What are you feeling? Um, not always going to agree, but it's, it's what it comes down to, you know, yeah, is yeah. how hard's too hard. Well, it's a matter of watching your players and how they're reacting to it. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine Luke goes into the emperor's throne room and he's like <laughs> a note. Find me, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that is what a bit. Okay. The Luke shows up. Emperor hits him with lightning, melds through the wall. Luke has to go find the emperor again. Shows up. <laughs> lightning meld through the wall. By the way, he's healing this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, there, but I could see. I can see how it would be fun, especially if you could find him. Like we had a guy who could find Strahd. We had the we had the one Sir Arvin Godfrey, had, yeah. yeah, Sir Godfrey. The so I could see how that could be fun to chase him around the castle, and then we're because one of the, your concerns, Dave, was us seeing all the castle. Yeah, well, we, we still yeah. saw a little bit of it. Yeah, that's still. one way to do that. But that's because right, it's kind of like your headquarters now. So we own it. How I envision it. I mean, well, the, the Lord is gone. So, I mean, who's moving in? I don't know. Is it still full of traps and vampires who want us dead? I mean, who knows? Right. I mean, it's yeah. every you know, it's a fixer upper, you know, <laughs> it's, it's sold as is. Uh, you just, there's no inspectors. Come on. <laughs> Are there, is it, is it still surrounded by Nosferatu crawling all over the walls? No, no. So we didn't like, we didn't, uh, I didn't talk about it in that way, but like, obviously I had said how the daylight now is streaking through the skies of Ravenloft uh, because, you know, Strahd is gone. Um, and that daylight would have burned those fuckers to the ground, like real hard. That's true. That's yeah, true. Real I forgot hard. about that. Yeah, yeah we did. So there's probably a lot of ashes just surrounding each of the towns. So, you know. It's <laughs> good carbon. It's good carbon. That's good. Yeah. We we, we fertilize the soil of Ravenloft. Oh, vampire, yeah. vampire ashes. Very good fertilizer. High in nitrogen. Grapes everywhere. They become the largest exporter of wine now to the Forgotten Realms. Who knows? I mean, wherever you guys take it, I don't know. I'm interested. We'll see. We'll see. That game does continue. We have another date, so we're still going with it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how long I can take it. How long are you push the frustration meter? <laughs> uh, that that uh, part is not frustrated. And nah, honestly, other than, I mean, there there might be, for the most part, I think you've got a lot of leeway with that group. Like that yeah. group's pretty in. Even no, even if it yeah. gets frustrating, that group's that group's in for problem solving. Like they'll yeah. deal with like whatever you come up with, they'll they'll approach it proper. Like not properly, but they'll approach it in that constructive way of okay, so what do I need to do? I think. Yeah. 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 I think we're I think we're good there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see about Woodstock as I start rolling out more of my homebrew bullshit. No, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> you are. We'll see how the rest of the party feels. As long as, you know, I think as long as everybody understands what's happening, that's the biggest thing, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, guys, we've been talking for a while. Tony, you want to jump in on this uh, Ravenloft uh, love fest here? Well, you know, I thoroughly did enjoy the campaign. Uh, did I find there was frustrating moments? I think I thoroughly busted Dave Stones in those places that were there was some slight frustration in that. 
You notice how Tony's busting our, busting our, your stones for your game and occasionally my stones for my game, and he's not DMing a game for us right now? Uh, no, yeah. no, you, you got to talk to my girlfriend to see how I'm doing in that game. Actually, no, I, I did a Marvel Christmas game. You're welcome to give That's me true. feedback on that absolute freaking collage of insanity that I ran. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on, but there's always there's a lot game. going on with your games. So. There, was, there was a lot happening in that. I'm I like, think okay, that that's actually not a bad idea, Thorne. We can maybe bring on Jen to uh, to really see how Tony's DMing style is evolving and improving with all of our wisdom that we're we're sharing here on the on the podcast. You know, I think we need to, we need to get her in the other game. You were going to start a yeah. game. I think Definitely. we need we need, we need to get Jen in, Jen Jen in with a full group. And see what she thinks after having been taught by Tony. Oh, I think you just hit it, buddy. I don't think it's Jen. I think it's going to be Jim and the Holograms <laughs> D&D edition. I think that's what's going to happen. That's the next 80s, 90s idea we're going to roll out. Yeah. I think have they, have they re-released the Genasi? Can she come back as an actual gem? Uh, no, I told you. I have a I have a really cool idea I want to roll out if we ever do uh, a game that she's in. So anyway, we'll but see. We're, but we're, we're, time for we're, 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 way, we're way off topic. How but, hard is too hard with scheduling multiple D and D games? Yeah, that's that's another one. What do we got? Like seven games going now. We got it. We got several. Some things are gonna have to start to give a little bit in terms of uh, scheduling. I think. You yeah, know, maybe it's some, tricky. It's tricky. Everyone, you know, some tip for tat on some of the games. We've we'll already see. got the Call of Cthulhu games that had a month off, so we got to figure out where we're gonna. Fit oh that my god! Yeah. People yeah. are forgetting what we're doing. That's the next episode. How do you deal with how, how do you deal with keeping people remembering what's going on when you have to skip a game that was only running monthly anyway? Dude, okay, yeah, 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 three months. Yeah, you know what's hard? Try to be stay invested in a character that you're playing like every six weeks. Like that's like I want to do something, and I'm waiting, and I'm playing the hour. Like waiting is the hardest part. Song. I'm like looking out the window and like to see <laughs> the, the you know crossing off days in the calendar. Nope, still not close. I'll get to do that. In June. Ugh. Uh, we all need we all need more. You know, we all need to retire and just retire in game. You know, become yes. gentlemen of gaming leisure. Whoa. I like that. That's That'd like, be nice, right? That's, oh, that sounds nice. We just someone's gotta hit the lottery. There so. you go. All right, I, I'm working on it. Before we get to that game though, let's talk about final thoughts. What do you guys yes. think? What are your final thoughts on how hard is too hard? Uh, I think we've kind of summed up that that really depends upon the room and your players. Some players are really do relish that difficult challenge, like that insanity you guys have been peddling about the Tomb of Annihilation that you're so excited about. Woo! Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm like, hey, if there's a strange little patch of it. Oh, my God. And my character's dead. All right. And now Freddy the Fighter is on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Can't, well, can't you are me. the monk. I mean, you're 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 supposed to be our trap finder, right? You have a whole you dude. You have an entire monastery full of characters. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, no, you have a send the next one. Send the next one. I'm here to avenge my brother. Yeah, yeah exactly. I have 19 brothers. Um, it, that really depends. I have had players who really love that high difficulty, gritty, hyper realistic feel of the game. However. Particularly in the longer space games, I think I found people are more bordering on casual. They want to get together, or, and they're more story based, and they want to enjoy the game and see the story progress. And in terms of combat, yeah, they they can be tough. You can have a nice challenge, but too much combat eats away at your ability to move and progress the story. And particularly in spaced out games, I think that can be very detrimental. I think there's a couple things. 
one of my pieces is very mechanically based in terms of this because how hard is too hard mechanically i think really comes into play on if we're talking 5e the first tier first to fifth level that's when it really matters and you do have to pay attention to cr cr and things like that are going to make a lot more sense during that first tier Following that fifth level onwards, that's when things start to get a little funny. Magic items start to come into play, new abilities, yada, yada. Anything past four players is going to drastically change how hard is too hard. As we've talked about here with our large parties, that really changes calculation. That also changes the calculation, as we talked about, with initiative count. So it's not necessarily a hard fight but it's a four hour fight because you got 97 initiative counter right so um but the last part i think is the way thorn said it was great it's that frustration meter i think that's an excellent lens to check in on yourself and really see uh depending on your how does your table play what are they looking for and where have they become frustrated? And I think you can glean some from that. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to change a bunch of stuff, but you can at least understand maybe what, where some of the the sticky areas might be. Who knows? But that frustration meter, I think, is a really great way to look at it. That that lens. Yeah, and I guess um, you know, final thoughts here, just ra- just rounding up. I think the point we made in the beginning uh, that, that Tony introduced. There's hard mechanically, and there's hard time investment Mm. how much time is this taking so you've got to kind of balance both these things together so there is first of all how much time is the combat taking in your adventure time and how much is that eating away as tony just said your ability to to talk about the story and have and have an engrossing story so in 5e dnd especially but it kind of goes for almost any game Mm. if combat's taking up all your time and you're not doing anything else you might you might need to find a way to speed that up which probably means rolling back the difficulty on many encounters and saving your difficulty for your for your big milestone villain encounters and then the second thing is yeah you know how hard is too hard as far as actual difficulty you got to read your players there is no number i found in the dmg or the player's handbook that accurately reflects how hard this is going to be for your <sighs> players how many players you have makes a difference how well they play makes a difference like how tactically how how, how well is the wrong word because you can be a good player but not be a tactically great player you know the different things so how tactical is your party is maybe a better way to think about it like are they a kind of party that's going to basically come in and go one by one and focus fire and wipe out your 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 whole group of enemies or are they going to go in and get spread out and you know and it's going to take a while and they have they're going to be more vulnerable because they're you know because they're they're dealing with everyone you have on the table so you you have to keep that in mind a little bit and you got to read the table you know, how frustrated are they? And then decide, well, how frustrated do I think they should be? How far can we push this? And how far, because there is the other side of it, which is, as, as we've seen, sometimes what frustrates them may frustrate you. So you got to balance that out and figure out, okay, so what do I want to do as a game, as, as the DM, and what is satisfying to me, and what is satisfying and not satisfying to them, and trying to find the happy medium between it. That is more difficult than it sounds. <laughs> in the end, I think what you have to do. Balancing all things, as Tony used to say. Even if Tony's sometimes too balanced. I'm too balanced now? How did that happen? Didn't oh you say? God. Yeah. No, you, yeah, maybe you become more unbalanced over time, as we all have. Oh, that's, that's, that's a terrible thing for me to remember, remember by. Good Lord. <laughs> all right, guys. I had a good time talking about this with you. Thanks a lot for, for another Absolutely. great episode. Thank Absolutely. you. 
And thank you all for listening to another episode of Three Wise DMs. We really appreciate all the support. If you want to hear us talk about issues you're having, please send them into threewisedms at gmail.com or go on our website, threewisedms.com, and enter them in the What's Your Problem field. Or you can talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're active in all those places. We're always looking for new ideas. And we would love to help you with specific problems you have. So anything you have you'd like advice on, please send us an email. Let us know. And we'll see if we can turn it into an episode. And if you like that, you like what we're doing here, please hit the five-star rating button in your podcast platform of choice. Share the episodes. You know, tell your friends about it. All that stuff really helps us grow. And we appreciate all the support you've given us. Thanks again. See you next time on Three Wise DMs.